We are in the book of Ephesians. We've uh, been here for a number of months now. Uh, Our study of the book of Ephesians has led us to discuss and discover God's view of how we live out spirit-filled life. Chapters four through six that we've been in now for a little while have been about how we live in Christ. Uh, And we've looked at being a spirit-filled church and what that looks like how we can have spirit-filled marriages and uh, what our families look like when they're spirit-filled, especially as parents or uh, with our children, uh, as we kind of thought about that today. So this section that we're in today is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 9. Now, if you read ahead, uh, which I encourage you to do on that, you might have thought, Uh, Why don't we just skip over this one, Pastor? What does this have to do with us about slaves and masters? Um, You know, but the principles from God here in this scripture speak so profoundly to us. Um, You know, the Bible is always relevant for today. Uh, and that, that's the awesome thing about God's word. Uh, the scripture should change our lives. So uh, are, you, are you ready for that? Are you ready to allow his spirit and his word to bring about change and transformation in us? You see, uh, work is a gift from God. Uh, we should be thankful for work. I mean, how can you find meaning and fulfillment in your daily work? Uh, You know, we seek to gain income from our work, but something greater than money should motivate us. Amen. Uh, Something greater in our heart. You know, the Bible talks a lot about the fact that work is a blessing, a blessing from God. Um, Talks about not only the blessing of income, but the blessing that God uses work uh, to guide our lives. So um, the scriptures here show us that we need to see Jesus Christ as our ultimate boss for whom we labor. We work for him. Amen. Your job may not be very good. I even wrote that your job may stink. I don't know. But the good news is you can transfer masters without transferring jobs. Now, I don't mean that you will never change jobs, but that in whatever job you have, and jobs are difficult these days, right? Just like with everything else that's going on. Many of you are have worked from home or are working from home or maybe looking uh, for jobs. But in whatever job you have, the most important thing to know is that your master is the Lord Jesus. Paul challenges us here to recognize that the lordship of Jesus should powerfully impact your view of work and your relationship with others. Uh, so there's, there's really no separation between secular work and sacred work. It is all work done in Christ. Um, you may not feel that connection all, to, all the time, but I hope that after you're in this service today that you will, and that you'll think about it. So that whatever you do, you do as a servant of Christ. So we're thinking about transferring masters. Now, the scripture says, Ephesians 6, verse 5, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but 
as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free and masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. God bless his word to us. So this section of scripture about slaves and masters, Paul is dealing with, he's been dealing with households, right? He's dealing with the household, dealing with your marriage, children, your family, and now those that might be a part of working in your household. Um, you know, one of the things that happens pretty easily with this passage is it moves very quickly to talking about work and employees and employers. And I'm not saying it doesn't apply to that, but you know, when you hear words like slavery, uh, maybe we need to talk about that just for a moment, at least to get our minds on what is exactly, it's kind of the elephant in the room. And then when you read a scripture like this, like what is Paul talking about related to slavery? And, um, and, and so, uh, the way we're going to break this down today is um, just looking kind of first at an explanation of what he's talking about, an exhortation, the words that he encourages us with, and really the most important thing about preaching is application, applying. I mean, what good is it to come in here and just listen to me and the spirit and then not go away and be changed? So that's, that's our goal. So what's been happening is that Paul has been talking about uh, how we properly function within the home. Uh, and now he's talking about another realm of society, slaves and masters. Um, now the, the historical perspective here um, is that he is connecting this focus on family relationships. Slaves in his term is very different than what we would have thought about related to American history. You know, slavery is a complex and a massive issue. American slavery that we focus in on, and, and haven't we felt that? with all the, the focus and all the relationship to justice and all this going on right now. So it's such a, an important topic. But American slavery was primarily racial and lifelong and even systemic. In Paul's day, what he's talking about here, the first century, it wouldn't have been racial slavery, uh, and it was not always lifelong. As a matter of fact, most of the time, uh, people were set free uh, at some point early on in, in their life, in their early adult life. Um, so there are similarities to what we might be thinking about with slavery compared to what Paul is talking about. But how do, how do we understand uh, the first century? So... <clears throat> You know, what's easy to do sometimes is to project our thinking about something in the now to projecting it back on the scripture. Well, it actually has to go the other way. We think about what it meant in the first century, and then we apply that to what is happening now. So you, you, are you with me? Uh, because um, this is not a a statement related to the support of slavery. You know, what he's talking about is, is many members of their household. Now, anytime you're talking about slavery, that could be negative uh, and maybe need to be addressed. But in many ways, these people are, that they're talking about are tutors, nannies, um, 
those that worked in the household, um, gardeners, uh, those that helped, as well as many other job responsibilities that they had. So it's not thinking about people that were just in slavery because of their race. It's talking about people that had jobs that were working with the families. It wasn't like forced labor. It was applied to work inside of the relationships that they were given. So we're not just talking about human trafficking or stripping people of freedom and dignity and self-respect. Uh, um, you know, some of the writing about this, you know, they, they say that about a third of the people in the Roman Empire during this first century would have been considered slaves, and they got there in different ways. Uh, one man that wrote about it said, they do not just do menial work, they do nearly all the work, including oversight and management and professions. Some slaves during this day were more educated than even their owners. They could own property and were allowed to save money to be able to set themselves up for their freedom. Uh, no slave class existed for slaves were present in all but the highest economic strata. Many gained their freedom before the age of, of 30. And, and so you can see this happening there. There was, uh, there was the beginnings of care for women and the, the history shows us that uh, people became slaves for all kinds of different reasons, sometimes to pay off debt or to create an opportunity where they could find freedom. So it's a very different kind of setting. Um, you know, the Bible helps us to understand that the Bible opposes slavery, human cruelty, treating others unjustly, Right? We get that. We understand that. We are participant even in our time for that. And I'll just give you some highlights about that. You know, the, we, we can see that, uh, first of all, the Bible calls us to love our neighbor, not to own our neighbor. Right? We are to love our neighbors, um, recognizing that taking people uh, against their will, doing things against their will, us using our own privilege or possibilities or wealth, whatever we might use against others is clearly not proclaimed in the, in the scripture. We are to love our neighbors and to embrace them. Um, the second thing there is that we are to treat others, the Bible teaches us, the way that we want to be treated. You know what that's called, right? The golden rule, Matthew 7, 12, um, that would preclude taking advantage of people. It would preclude uh, people being ab abused by someone. So slavery is clearly the opposite of the golden rule. Third, neither slavery nor masters are viewed really very positively in the Bible. Israel was in an awful slavery in Egypt, right? Uh, we, we see that very early in the, in, the, in the Bible, in the book of Exodus. But God set them free. And this gave Israel, uh, God then gave them strict laws insisting that they not treat others the way that they had been treated. Uh, you can see that in the latter part of, of Exodus. Um, number four, um, Christianity is a bondage breaker not a bondage maker faith. Praise the Lord for that. Not a bondage maker. We are not trying to put people in greater bondage. We are uh, asking God to set us free, that we are not spiritual or physical captives. It's such an incredible point about Christianity. Christianity is the release of the captives. He comes uh, to set us free. 
So we recognize that Paul is helping to us to understand that the Bible is undermining uh, slavery. Uh, Paul teaches the equality among groups of people. The equality is clear in Galatians 3 and in Colossians 3, uh, you can read there. Uh, there's a little book called Philemon. Uh, in the Bible. And the uh, man there is mentioned by the name of Onesimus who fled from his master Philemon and then he, he providentially meets Paul and he became a Christian. And so Paul is writing a letter, kind of like this letter right here. He's writing a little letter on behalf of Onesimus and Paul is encouraging that this one, he would no longer be seen as a slave, but more than a slave as a dearly loved brother. That, that's, that's our challenge, right? That we build these relationships with us. I was thinking about the song, Oh Holy Night. Uh, one of the lines in there says, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother. Uh, that's a great line. It's, it reminds us that God is working to move us away from oppression. Uh, in Christ, we are equals as we come together in him. Paul demands that both the slave and the master treat each other as they would Christ. We'll come back to that thought. And remember that they both live under the lordship of Jesus Christ and that there is no favoritism with Christ. Boy, that's good news for our day, for what we're dealing with right now. There is no favoritism from us in the church or from uh, believers and certainly from God and from Christ in us. You know, many believe that first century slavery died out because of the influence of Christ followers and an exploding Christianity. That's, that's, a, that's a powerful uh, statement to recognize. So uh, that's kind of the explanation of what's going on right here. Now you can see the exhortation. Now this is what he wanted to, to make sure that we got. As we think about this scripture, we apply really revolutionary words about slaves and masters. Notice Paul says uh, he offers Christ-centered words about slaves and masters. That, that's what he's offering to us. And Christ is the central focus of this teaching. Number one, notice that he says, always do your work as unto Christ. Always do your work as unto Christ. Uh, you see Christ mentioned six different times in verses five uh, through nine. Now, what he's asking you is what is your mindset? What is, how do you think about this? How do you think about your work and what you do with the time in your life? Uh, how, do you, how do you use your influence? How do you, use the, how do you apply the opportunities that you have uh, in your life? The command is very clear. Live all of your life for Christ. Honor him in everything. Glorify him. That means lift him up. Put him on display. Let his light shine through you in every area of your life. Now notice, he didn't say just do, do good work and put him on display when you come to church on Sunday or when, you, when you're watching on Sunday at your house or when things are going good for you. He said, when you go to work, Put Christ on display. Do we think about it like that? That's, that's his intent. His exhortation to us is to let Christ shine through us. We, we are to have a Christ-centered perspective. That is a higher level uh, preoccupation with what's going on around us. Not just getting wrapped up in being bored and Monday. I hear people often will say, I hate my job. 
Uh, it's hard to hate your job and exalt Christ. Will you say that's true? Just getting wrapped up in being bored or, or in the mundane, but recognizing that you have a higher calling because of who you are in Christ. That's what this whole book has been about. So some ways that we can do that. Glorify Christ, exalt him, put him on display by working respectfully. Do you hear those words that he had? Respect and fear. Uh, he's reminding us that, they, that we are to take our work seriously and reverently because we're working for Christ. I remember when, when I was a student at Treveca, I remember uh, people would contact the school and they would say, we would like to have a student come and work for us. And I often wondered about that. Do they just call all the schools? Well, I found out later that wasn't the fact. They loved it because these Treveca students, and I noticed the same thing about Olivet students. And Olivet students are going around the world making a difference. Why? Because they have a different character in going into a job situation. And employers, they, they want people like that. They want people that are trustworthy and that are going to live it out respectfully. Uh, number two, glorify Christ with a sincere heart. Do you work with a sincere heart? You see it in your, you know, you see it in your desire. Do, you ever, you ever gone to a restaurant and you noticed that the waitress really didn't care if you were there or not? Or a really good waitress, they're glad you're there and they do it with a, with a sincere heart. The Bible says, if you're going to work, work with a, a, a sincere heart heart, uh, putting your faith in Christ and letting him be seen uh, through you. Number three, glorify Christ, uh, not only by working with a sense of our heart. Number four, glorify Christ by working wholeheartedly, working wholeheartedly. Uh, notice those words there. He's saying, give, give completely of yourself. He says, don't work only when you're being watched in order to please men, to please people. While it might be a common temptation by the, the employers or the masters that he talks about here threatening slaves, but sometimes our tendency, our temptation is to be lazy instead of working faithfully. Come on. Uh, both are to remember that Christ sees everything. Every day at work, Christ is there. He sees you. He sees your work. He says, work wholeheartedly. Glorify Christ by working expectantly. Paul reminds us that the ultimate reward is coming. Knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive this back from the Lord. So no act goes unnoticed. God no See, God doesn't just notice when you do bad. He notices when you do well. He notices how you treat others. He wants you to work with expectation that there's going to be a blessing from him. Think about how that perspective can change how you work. A writer in Pro the writer in Proverbs says, a man's spirit can endure sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? I mean, if a person's spirit is crushed, life becomes almost unbearable. What lifts your spirit? It's Christ, his love for you, his work in your spirit helps you to, to know the hope that you have in him. Number six, treat others as you would treat Christ. You know, he doesn't say treat others as you treat the pastor or as you treat your mama. He says, treat others as if what you're doing is being done to Christ. 
That's the exhortation. Isn't that countercultural? Isn't that life-changing for us? See, what, what, what he's reminding us, he says, since you know that Christ, who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism in him. So he's asking us to treat others, not threatening them, that we live with accountability and we recognize that we live the way Christ wanted us to live, to, to live as if our actions are toward him. So, explanation, exhortation, application. How can this passage change your life? Three things. Number one, applying this truth should change the way you work and lead. The way you work and lead. See, no work is merely work. It's a way to serve Christ. I mean, you think about uh, making this application. I mean, if these principles are applied in sometimes difficult working situations, just think about them when they're in good. I mean, maybe your job doesn't go quite as well as you want, but you're probably not being physically threatened or abused or treated like property. You remember your boss is Jesus. Your boss is Jesus. So work and lead through Christ like Christ and for Christ. Think about that. Paul is addressing uh, the church and he's saying these are believers who have been spiritually raised from the dead to life, have recognized the goodness of God in your life, have been saved by the grace of Christ through the atoning death of Christ. And as a result of what God has done in us and allowed the indwelling of the presence of the spirit to be in us, we are never alone. God is with us and God is good. The living Christ abides with us and we do not do it alone. You know, in the Old Testament, Joseph was sold into slavery and he ended up working for Pontius, uh, one of the leaders in Egypt. But four different times in Genesis 39, it says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. He was not alone and neither are you. We recognize that we work through Christ. We work like Christ. We follow the model of being Christ-like people out in the workplace. We work for Christ. We honor him. You know, you, you, do you have to have somebody nurturing you and supervising you and watching over you? Or are you working for Christ, not just for others uh, around you? Uh, doing the work of Christ. If you're a leader, if you're able to lead other people, lead through Christ. That's one of the challenges of leadership is uh, taking on new Numerous responsibilities, but recognizing that we lead as one who leads through Christ. We lead like Christ. Christ is not just the model. Remember how Christ served? He served as a servant leader. He came to serve. He took up the towel. He cared for the vulnerable. He did not seek earthly praise. He was a shepherd, not a dictator. Lead for Christ. So we work and we lead differently because of Christ and our relationship with him. Number two, applying this truth should change the way we relate to people, should change the way we relate to people. Our cultural culture uh, tells us that there's kind of a hierarchy of value. Uh, this, this idea crushes that idea. There are different roles that people have, but we all have uh, the same value. We should relate to people differently from the way that our culture relates to people. We relate differently to them because of Christ. Do not give preferential treatment to some people over others. We care and pray for the rich, and we care and pray for the poor and the powerless and all in between. Be careful 
about your body language toward others, your attention to others, and the way you communicate to other people. Don't give, uh, give in to the impressing of somebody else or making others think that you're superior to them. Don't dehumanize individuals around you. We recognize that all people are of great value, and we treat people differently, not because we recognize the values of the world, but we recognize who we are in Christ. What a difference that can make. Finally, this passage, applying this truth should change the way that we decide what's important. That we decide what's important. I mean, what matters most? Is it your job, your income, your promotion, whatever it might be? What matters most is your relationship with Jesus Christ. The most important thing in your life is not your job, your income, your education. What matters is how you respond to Jesus. Is he your master? Have you transferred masters from yourself to things of the world to put your trust in Christ? You know, we recognize Jesus said it like this. For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I mean, if you know Christ, then you are rich. I mean, you are wealthy beyond measure if you know Christ. Got a little amen? Yeah, we, are, we have so much because of them. Because of that, Paul says, as having nothing yet possessing everything. The person who has Jesus in their life can have nothing and still have everything. Do you know Jesus? Then you have everything. Then you have what really matters in life. It matters in this life and it will be revealed in the next life. So what matters most to you? The economy, the pandemic, who the next president's gonna be, how your team is gonna play this afternoon, your grades, what Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I mean, if you... If you don't have Christ, you need to receive the one that is the ultimate master. As I was listening to Rachel this morning, I thought how earlier in my life as a believer that I spent quite a bit of time negotiating with the spirit. I loved him. I was a Christian, but I'm still negotiating. You know what I mean by that? You're a, like... He's telling me things to do. He's letting me know problems that I might have. He's showing me weaknesses in my life. And I'm saying, I don't think so. He's saying, you should be doing this or that. And I said, well, I love you and I'm going to church and, and I'm doing my best, but I, I, I don't think so. And then you negotiate. You know what? He never gives up on the negotiation. He just keeps on working it. You know, you show up at church and there's the pastor talking about you. Or there's, there's the song that just spoke to your heart and the Spirit is saying, see, this is what I'm talking to you about. See, the Spirit of God wants you to give him everything. So today we're talking about work, but really the question is, has he inf infiltrated every area of your life? See, there's, Paul wants you to know there's more than just being saved and waiting on God to take you to heaven. You have a responsibility in how you live your life in this world. You are called to be a Christ-like follower at your work, 
in your relationships, at your house? How are you acting? How are you living? This was his challenge. Every area, everything is done as it's done unto Christ. He is the focus of every single area, every nook and cranny of your life. Christ wants to be there. Have you let him in? Have you welcomed him into all those spots? I, I hope you're saved. Maybe today you're, you're not living for Christ because you haven't really dedicated yourself to him. Today would be a great day to give your heart to Christ. Just recognize what he's calling you to do and to be on the basis of what he's already done for you. But if you are a believer, if, if you're doing well, good job. If you're being an influence where you work or the people that you have opportunity to be around, but if you haven't really thought about your mindset as a believer, when you're walking around out in this world out here, then that's what he's asking you to do today. Think about who you're influencing, who you're praying for, who, you're, who God wants you to, to be ministering to. My mother is 81 years old, but she decided that she was going to, living out her life, that she was going to make sure her brother went to heaven. Don't you love that? I think he's in heaven. I told her, I think he's in heaven today because of how you lived around him and had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. What difference is it going to make where you go, who you're with, what your relationships are like? That's what he's calling us to do. Would you make a decision like that today? Would you agree with me to at least think about, do you pray before you go to work? Do you pray all throughout your day as you have opportunities to influence those around you? You know, the songwriter said, you might be the only Bible some people read. You might be the only Jesus some people see. That's what he's calling us to do, to take Christ out into the world around us. Let's do it. Let's accomplish Let's be what this passage has called us to be. I know you didn't think it had anything to say to you today, but it has everything to say to you. Would you bow with me? Lord, what a, what a scripture, what a moment for us today. So today in this place, Lord, maybe there's all kinds of different reactions to what's happening. Lord, if there's somebody here today, that today is their moment. Today's their opportunity to turn toward Christ Lord, I pray that you would remind us that you're with us and that you save us and you forgive us from our sin and you're so willing to embrace us and accept us. And we thank you for that. I thank you for the person today online or here in this room is becoming a Christian today because of their faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for all of us, wherever we're gonna go today, this week, our job responsibilities, people that we come into contact with. I, I know it's a pandemic, but thank you, Lord, that we can still be Christ-like followers in the midst of a pandemic. How we talk, how we live, how we handle ourselves. Lord, we recognize things are difficult, but you wanna make us strong and people are worried and concerned. Help us to have opportunity to say Christ is with us. Christ has made a difference in me. And we pray, Lord, that we would be that witness in the world around us. Lord, we give you praise today and we bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen.